0: Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. This morning we... Let me introduce myself again. My name is Caxton Boro. I am from Kenya, and we live in Kenya, and we are visiting U.S. We are missionaries with biblical ministries worldwide, and we are visiting U.S. I'm so glad to be here this morning. Today, we are going to be in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12 or touch or however you get to. These days you touch. However you get to the book of Hebrews, get to the book of Hebrews. Because we are going to be in the book of Hebrews and we are going to read a few verses of chapter 12. Uh, And today I'm going to speak on the topic of helps for faith. Helps for faith. And I'm going to base that are from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 says, and I'm reading from the NIV, NIV, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us learn with endurance or perseverance the race marked before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's the word of the Lord. Hebrews 12, to 3. The Bible, in many places, uses metaphors or figures of speech to describe Christian life. For instance, if I can give a few examples, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul describes Christian life as a warfare. He says, or he tells Timothy, to endure hardship as a good soldier. In Ephesus, he talks about the full armor of God, that we are fighting are not an unphysical war, and we have to wear the full armor of God. In First Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 26, Paul says, I do not shadow box. I do not fight as one who beats the air. So Christian life is being uh, described as a war, a kind of a war. He also describes it as a kind of a walk or a walk. He says in Galatians 6.15 I say walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the last of the flesh. In our text today Christian walk is being uh, likened to a race. And this is a common metaphor in the New Testament. For instance in 1 Corinthians 9.24 Paul says I run that I may obtain. He says the worldly runners. Run to obtain a corruptible crown, but I run to obtain one which is uncorruptible. He also says in uh, he, as he he also says in Second Timothy four seven four seven he says I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So these metaphors tell us that Christian work or Christian life is dynamic. It's not static. It is a journey with a destination. And coming back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, which is a very, very familiar passage. I'm sure you have heard very many sermons on this Hebrew chapter uh, chapter 12. It's a profound uh, passage. It's being likened as a race. We are, we are being told that we are in a race. So the event here, in Hebrews chapter 12, it's a race. He says, Therefore, since we are we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every hindrance. let us run with endurance first I want to tackle one thing let us, what is this let us, who is he talking to when he says let us, I want to say there are two categories, first let us is who is he writing to and if I I can catch up Catches us up with who he's writing to. Who is the audience of the, Bible, the, the book of Hebrew? Of course, we do not know who the writer of Hebrew is, but we do know. We don't know his name, but we do know that he is Jewish, and he seems to have very good knowledge of the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, the, the, the law of Moses, the sacrificial system, and everything else that happened in the temple. So we know he's Jewish, and we know all that. Who is he writing to? He's writing to Christians who have become Christians. They were Jewish before. They have now become Christians, and they are going, undergoing a lot of persecution, so much persecution by the leadership. They are being ostracized. They are being uh, seen as traitors, Because even they are getting persecuted by their own families. Because now they are are Christians. They are not doing the things that they used to do. They are not keeping the, the feast days. They are not keeping the dietary laws. They are now Christians. So they are going through some serious persecution. And around this time, the church is also going through persecution. James, the son of Zebedee, has been killed. Stephen has been stoned. So there is a lot of persecution. So they are thinking, or they are entertaining the idea, if we probably can go back to Judaism, and when the persecution has come down, we will come to continue with Christianity. So the writer of Hebrew is telling them, no, 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 do not go back. Do not even entertain the thought of going back. Actually, the thrust of the book of Hebrew is go full blast. Go full blast to maturity. He says that what you have now is much better than what you had in the past. Christ is much better than what you had in Judaism. And he proves to them, he hits, four, and I'll give only four examples, he compares Christianity on one side and Judaism on the other side. So he looks at three areas of Christianity. And in each of those he will compare Christ or Christianity with Judaism. He says, Christ is a better prophet. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. He says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in many ways and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, who he has appointed as heir of all things. There's no... There's no single time that any prophet was appointed heir of anything. But these last days, he has spoken to us in through his son, who he has appointed the heir. So there he's, he's comparing the prophets and, and Christ. He's saying, he is, the son is much better. He goes ahead and says, the son is better than angels. Because he asks a rhetorical question here, verse 5, or ch- uh, chapter 1, verse 5. For which of the angels... Did God say, you are my son? Today, I've become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. On one side, he's better than the angels. He's better than the prophet. He even goes ahead that Christ is even better than Moses. Moses is very important in Judaism for the Jews. But he says, even Christ, even Moses, is not like Christ. He says, Jesus Uh, uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, Jesus was found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. He says Moses was faithful as a servant in God's honor. But Jesus, or Christ, was faithful as a son. So Moses was faithful as a servant. Jesus is faithful as a as a son, don't go back. What you have now is better than what you had before. Press forward. And in each of these, he keeps give them, giving them warnings. Don't drift back. Don't fall back. If you fall back, how will you be brought back? He even talks about the priesthood. Jesus is a better priest. The high priest, the Aaron, they will die and they go. They used to go to the holy of holies with the blood of calves and goats. But Jesus, he's another priest of the order of Melchizedek, who went there with his own blood once and for all and sat down, meaning he finished. This guy is never finished. Every year they'll come, they will die. Another priest will take over. So Christ is, has a better priesthood. He is a better priest. He is not the priest in the order of Aaron. He is the priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is a much, much better priesthood. And even the sanctuary that he goes to. The priest of Aaron went to the sanctuary that was made here. But Christ is a sanctuary which was not made by hand. He says that. So, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands, that was only a copy of a true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. He says that in Hebrew chapter 9, verse 24. So who do we have here? Christians who are being persecuted, who are uh, being ostracized within the community. They they, They are entertaining the idea, let's return back to Judaism. When everything cools down, we'll come to Christianity. We'll come back and press forward. But the writer is telling them, no, no. What you have now is much better than what you had before. Press to the head. Don't drift away. Don't fall away. That is the first let us. So what is the next let us? You and me. So, Because the word of God is true as it was when it was first written. So let us also is for us. We are also called upon to run this race with endurance, and if you allow me, I'm the one with the mic, but if you allow me, I'll show you four helps of how we can run this race to maturity, four helps. The race is, (laughs) actually the word race in Greek is called agon, where we get the word, wait for it, "agony." So this race is not a hundred meters dash. Kenyans we are known for uh, long races. If you ever looked at marathons, and those long races, 3,000 meters, you always see Kenyans, it's either a Kenyan or an Ethiopian. Sometimes you see Kenya, one, two, three. Then everybody else can take from number four going, going, going backwards. So the Chris, he's saying this is a race that requires endurance race that requires endurance. So it's more of a marathon than a short a short race. And back to the 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 the, the Bible he says let us run with endurance the race that has has been set before us. So he, he, he shows us some helps here. So he says the first help is uh, and I'll go back to here, my notes here. The first is, hmm, therefore, since we are surrounded by a large cloud of witnesses, let us run, let us lay aside every every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. So there I see the first help, the witnesses. You have witnesses. He says, and he says therefore, when the word therefore is there, it means that he's talking about the previous section. And what is the previous section? It's Hebrew 11, which we usually call the, the, the hall of faith. Where we see people who have run the faith. He gives an example of many people who have run the race before. Yeah, this race has been run before. There are people who have run this before. They are with there, and they run it by faith. He gives a list of them. He, and each one, he says, by faith. He says, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. And he gives a list of them. By faith, Moses. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Joshua. So each one of them, he's telling them, this is the first help. Consider that this race has been run before. These are the weaknesses. Even mentions Rahab, but he adds up very, very, very nicely as he finishes chapter, uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 11. He says, verse 34, Quench, they quenched the fury and the flames and escaped the edge of the sword with weaknesses, whose weaknesses were turned into strength. So sometimes they were weak, and their weaknesses were turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign enemies. Others, however, who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain uh, an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers, flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sold into two, and they were killed by the sword. So some of them, God used them mightily, others, they went through some serious persecution. This is the Christian race. This is the Christian walk. This is the Christian life. Sometimes we go through very hard times. Sometimes we go through encouraging times. But it is the, the way it is. Yes, it is. But it's all done by faith. It has to be by faith. I know we, are, we come into this race by grace through faith. But we also run this race by grace through faith. It has to be by faith. So, and sometimes when we read about this uh, Old Testament, these Bible uh, heroes, we think they had it or figured it out. They figured out. No. They had their own doubts. James tells us, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the Lord for three and a half years. So they went through what we are going through today. But the key word here is faith. Faith, we must run by faith. Ministry has been difficult for us. It becomes very, very difficult. But you wonder, are we making a difference? Is there anything we are doing? But then you have to have faith. We have faith because the Lord has called us. And it's the Lord who is doing it. Then something is happening. All we are told to do is go and talk about it. How God uses that, we do not know. How he's going to use what we are going through, we do not know. Or what, how he's going to use what you are going through, I do not know what you are going through. You may going, be going through a very hard time, especially in these times of COVID. We have seen some serious suffering in these times of COVID. COVID. People losing their livelihood, their jobs, everything, but faith pressing forward. Because it has been done. And that's the first help. Encouragement. Consider the witnesses. Here they are. It has been done. The second help. What do you do with the hindrances? He says, lay them aside. The word of God tells us, Jesus told us, in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. Because I have done what? I have conquered this world. So, tribulation, suffering, if I can put it this way, it's part of a Christian's job description. You will go through tribulation, but take heart, because I have considered. He says, lay them aside. <laughs> the hindrances and the sin that so easily ensnares us. When you're running a race, there are things which are not bad in themselves. For instance, water is, will be very good if you are running marathon, but you are not going to run marathon carrying ten gallons of water. Yeah? that will probably slow you down. You are not going to run marathon wearing cowboy boots, or even a winter jacket. Yeah? you want to run marathon with bare minimum, yeah? and a lot of uh, endurance. So there are things he's calling them weights that. You need hindrances that you need to lay aside. Are there some relationships that you need to lay aside? Are some habits that we need to lay aside? It's not only the things which are sinful that are bad, but the things that keep us from loving our Savior the way we are supposed to love him. So if they are not, they may not be sinful, but they are habits that you can keep that will stop you from loving your Savior the way you are supposed to love him. But he talks about, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Notice the, the, the definite article there, the sin. Could he have in mind a particular sin? I want to suggest probably he's thinking about doubt. Because what is happening to these Christians? They are doubting and wanting to go back. Do you doubt? We all have doubts. And you, you, you start wondering, did, did I hear the voice of God correctly? Or did I? Did I hear the, the voice of God? So there you are. The first help. The first help is consider the witnesses. The second help, lay aside. Things are not useful. Lay aside the sins of doubt. Run with perseverance. Run with faith. And the third help, of course, is focus. Where is the focus? He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. Other, other translations say, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Greek literally, looking away to Jesus. The author and the perfecter of our faith. So the focus also matters. Yes, he is the one who started it. And he is the one who is going to edit. He is the one who is going to perfect it. Doesn't that release some, some of the pressure? That when you fall back, you wake up. Because who is doing it in you? It's Christ who is changing you. When you fall, you, you stand up. When you feel you have doubt, you know Jesus is still working. It is by faith, it is by grace that we are running this race. So the, the, that's the focus. The witnesses, you have them. The hindrances, lay them aside. The focus, focusing on Jesus. But watch out this. Look at this. Which is the fourth and probably and the last one. Driven by joy. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning the shame and sat down on the right hand, of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. The joy set before him, he endured the cross and looked down on the shame. The cross is a shameful thing to be. It was probably the most shameful of death. Actually, it was not for Roman citizens. It was for other citizens. It was shameful death. But the Bible here is telling us for the joy set before him. What is this thing? What is this thing that cost him such joy? What is this thing that he will obtain? Because he says, for the joy set before him. What is this that Jesus did not have? What is this that kept him on the cross? Was it the nails? No. It couldn't have. He calmed the storm. He raised people from the dead. He fed 5,000. Those nails could not have held him there. Was it the approval of the father that helped helped, helped him there on the cross? In his baptism, heaven spoke and said, this is my beloved son who I'm very well pleased with. Was it being the king of the universe? No, he's the one who created everything. For the book of Colossians tells us there is nothing which was created that he did not create. And everything was created for himself and for his glory. So what is this thing that by, by going through the cross, he would obtain? Think with me here. What is this thing that he would obtain? It is his church. It is his church. You and me. He endured the cross. He endured the cross with a lot of joy that he may obtain forgiveness for the church, for his bride, for you and I. So as, if, as you are running this race, know that Christ has invested much, much more than what you are investing. He went through the cross. He says you haven't, endured the, the, uh, you haven't considered him who endured such opposition, so that you may not grow weary. He went through the cross with a lot of joy. What are you going there? What are you going through today? I do not know, but whatever you are going through, let joy drive you. And joy is different from happy. Happy depends on what is happening. Joy is deep. That whatever is happening, you still have joy. Sometimes we wonder. I lost my brother uh, in. November last year, it has been a, such a difficult time. You ask God, why? Why my brother? And I'm sure you're asking why my husband? Why, my, why my, my wife? Why my spouse? I want to encourage you today that God will probably never give you an explanation. But he'll give you a liberation. A revelation of himself. So you get to know him better, in all these things we go through. Actually we get closer to God when things are going not always positive. When they are going negative, or don't you think so? We get, usually get closer to God through that time. He reveals himself. Three helps for faith. This is a difficult race. We must run it with endurance. So look at the witnesses. Hiderances, lay them aside. Was a focus? Focusing on Jesus. Why? Who for the joy set before him he endured the cross. So, driven by joy. We had prayed for my brother for a very long time. He was an alcoholic. We had prayed for him for a very long time. He died of cancer. And even when he had cancer, we kept praying. And he received the Lord two days before he died. We are happy. We had given up actually. But God had not. He saved him two days before he went to be with the Lord. So even when we are asking why, we are confident that he is with the Lord. We have a joy that he has gone to be with the Lord. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you, Lord, that you have invested much more than even what we have invested in our lives, Lord. That we can run this race, we can walk this walk, we can live this life with joy no matter what happens, Lord. Because we have faith. Because you have gone before us. And we know you are the one who is doing it in us. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.